Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Unknown. Before we really dig in, why don't we... Oh, introduce ourselves. My name's Abby. <laughs> I'm Hannah. I'm Angie. Wow, that was gross. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Hannah. I have like a bubble in my throat. Sometimes I do that when I'm at work. I'll like call out someone's name and I'm just like... Jean? 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 Jean Pierre? Patricia? I can never. Jean Pierre? Actually, I have a Jean Baptiste in my story. Ooh, Jean. I almost had a Jean Baptiste. I almost had a Jean Baptiste in my story, but I did a different story. What'd you do? The Hope Diamond. I was gonna I do was that too. Do Did we all look at the same article? It's like five cursed artifacts yes. in the world. Yeah. <laughs> That was, like, the first thing that, like, came up when I Googled it. Same Because <laughs> so I was going to do that, and I was going to do that. And then I decided on King Toot. Angie, you want to tell us about oh, this? this right. Wine? Okay. We are drinking. <laughs> um, I'm going to budget this. To the, to, today, Junior? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> we you. are drinking um, Vino del Fratelli. Fratelli. <laughs> Fratelli. Um, <laughs> And it's a Moscato type of wine. It's a uh, 5.5%. It's really sweet. I guess like out of, what do we usually rate it out? Five, uh, five or ten? Five. five. I say it's um a 4.5. <laughs> we ever give anything a five? No. So this is just about as perfect as it's going to get, right? Uh, pretty much. Well. <laughs> well. <laughs> well, you see, Anna. It's a point. Five percent low, so I'd give it a four. Like it's really good tasting, but if I'm trying to really like relax, I'm not gonna drink this. Yeah, I wouldn't want to drink this. Like, I mean, like I would finish the bottle, but I wouldn't want to keep on drinking it because it's like really sweet. Yeah, true. Yeah, I think it's a four too. Like it's really sweet, but it's not like as. It kind of tastes flat to me. Like it's there's not any like. Zing it to it, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Or like, yeah, which I mean, it still tastes good. I just like the like little tangy or not tangy, but like zingy, like thing. Like, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, like, wine drugs, like, pretty good. I like getting wine drunk. I mean, I got super fucked up when over New Year's <laughs> when I drank a bottle of wine by myself and took a shot of Hennessy and Captain Morgan. So, moving on, I give it a four. <laughs> Hannah, I was gonna say dose because uh, quattro. A four. A four. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, shit. I know. I was thinking four in my head, and I was like, translate to Spanish, and I was like, dos. And I was like, no, dos, dos. <laughs> dos plus dos. <laughs> Two dos. I think I've seen bottles that say Moscato Diazzi or whatever it says, but she said that this specific, like, brand, that you can't, you have to get it in New Jersey. Like, you have to order it from New Jersey. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's something around here that tastes just like that. Fratelli. Fratelli. Italia. Out of, so sorry. I apologize to anyone who's Italian. Okay, so I think I'm going to start us off on our, ooh, actually, Hannah, what are we talking about tonight? Not just stealing your thunder? Oh my god, you scared me. I was like, what do I do? Um, yeah, so the topic tonight is curses, more specifically, ancient curses. 
Um, so yeah, I feel like this is going to be really interesting. I'm really into this stuff. I'm going to start us off. We're going to start with a little short and sweet. So I've just been going through it, guys. So I just did the best that I could trying to get my story. So it is really short and to the point. I did try to do a little bit of research. It just wasn't happening for me. So this is what I have. So I did the Curse of the Hope Diamond. So French merchant John Baptiste Tavernier, I probably missed mispronounce that last name. It's always them Johns. <laughs> them John Baptiste. Oh. It's T-A-V-E-R-N-I-E-R Tavernier. Probably. According to the legend, he stole a 115 carat blue diamond from the eye of a Hindu idol in India. Did that from, make sense? From an eye? Like his eye? Yeah, so like it was... It was like a little statue, like a sacred statue. Oh, okay. Shout out to my my favorite podcast, My Favorite Murder, taught me this. If you're ever in a situation where a man will not leave you the fuck alone, press his eyeballs and scoop. They pop right out. Yuck. Very disturbing, but you will probably live. I don't think I could do it. I mean, if you're that in like If you think you're going to die, you'll fucking do it. I would probably throw up afterwards, though. So. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> but make sure make sure you don't just press into his eye and scoop. Like, you have to... Ooh. I mean, you know what you have to do. Oh, it's okay. a fucking eye. I was, eye I was thinking, like, inner corners, like, and then scoop. But no, it, like, like, underneath and scoop? No, it's underneath. Your eyeballs literally just pop right out. Just, That's why, have you ever seen people who, like, they strain their, like, features here or somehow? They somehow can control their muscles up here in their face, and they pop their eyeballs out. Not completely, but Ew. you know what I'm talking about, where yeah. the ladies are like, <laughs> and I'm about. Right but you just Ew. place it like high cheekbone under... right up under the eye, press and scoop. Gross. Damn. I mean, yeah, you You're... do have to you'd have to really get in there and pull it out. Your eyeball's big. Like it's not just, you know, it's what you see. sitting in a deep hole, yeah, of your <laughs> face. <laughs> okay. And then back to our story. The diamond in the statue was his eye. So he he was like I'm going to steal this shit with it being sacred. Bad fucking idea. So, um, Tavernier sold the diamond to King Louis the fucking 16th? I'm not really good with Is it XIV? XVI. XVI? 16th. That would, yeah, that'd be 16th. He retired a wealthy man, but unfortunately would be later mauled to death by dogs. Not Louis, but the guy guy who sold sold it. Yeah. He sold it to King Louis. And then, um, this is kind of what, like, made me really interested into the story, and I wish I could get more information on it. I mean, if you know history, you know a little bit about it. But do you know who King Louis the Sixteenth wife is? Marie Antoinette. Yes. Mm, the plot thickens. And so, I'm not going to go into the history. If you know any type of history with Marie Antoinette, but she's very infamous, and she eventually got beheaded... During the French Revolution, which is a pretty violent death. So after that, Lord Francis Hope of England inherited the diamond, and he married an American showgirl. This is where the diamond gets his name, because I don't know, like, how it skipped down from, like, India to Marie Antoinette, and then just got its name from this random person, but um, that's where it got its name. So basically... The pair squandered their fortune and sold the diamond. That's a copy and paste word if I've ever heard it. (laughs) 
eventually, basically, they fell into poverty. And then Evelyn Walsh McLean bought the stone in 1912. Soon after her son was killed in a car accident, her daughter would soon after that commit suicide, and then her husband would eventually leave her for another woman, but then he would eventually have to go into an insane asylum. That was a lot of words. Okay, so her daughter and her son died. Yeah, so she bought the she bought the diamond in 1912. Yeah. And then her son was killed in a car accident. And then after that her daughter committed suicide. And then after that her husband left her for another woman. Um. And then he would eventually end up in a mental institution. Just a series of unfortunate events. Yep. Okay. The Smithsonian National Museum bought the Hope Diamond in 1958, and no one has suffered from it yet, other than the delivery driver who delivered it. Survived, however, his wife and dog died immediately after, and his house caught on fire. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty short and sweet. Like, I just did the best that I could. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) You're fine. I still Um, thought, I thought it was really interesting, it was really sweet, and then... Wait. <laughs> I mean, the depths were sweet. <laughs> the, the wine was really sweet. It's getting to my head. I don't know what's happening. I don't even know what I... I, don't, I think I was just talking. I don't know what words were coming out of my mouth. It was really sweet. <laughs> Looking at the timeline of this, so... John Baptiste stole it in mm-hmm. the 1600s. And I think it was toward the latter half of that decade, century... Mm-hmm decade century century what the fuck um (laughs) and then they sold it to marie antoinette and king louis in the 1700s and then it got passed down a century later so we're in we started in the 1600s we went down to 17 and then the english are the ink oh my fucking god <laughs> <laughs> my brain can't function <laughs> okay basically each one of these stories is from a different century is what i'm trying to say so you start in the 16th 17th 18th where it got its name the hope diamond from francis hope of england and then it goes down to evelyn walsh who bought it in 1912 and then in like 1958, it was bought by a museum. It wasn't concrete evidence that it came off of a Hindu statue. That's just kind of like legend has it that True. it did, and that's why it's cursed. Uh, but other things that I read didn't say that it had. So I don't know for a fact. That's just kind of like the earliest information I had found on it. So I started with yeah, that. Same. Yeah. So I did the Curse of the Pharaohs. More specifically, I like honed in on King Tut. I focused more on King Tut. There was more of a story to his. All the other ones were just, mm, sorry, don't curse me. So the Curse of the Pharaohs is believed to be a curse that is cast upon any person who disturbs the mummy of any ancient Egyptian, but especially a pharaoh. What's the difference between a mummy and a pharaoh? A pharaoh is like a king, like an Egyptian king. So his actual name was Pharaoh... Y'all don't kill me on this. It's (laughs) Tutan... (laughs) It's Pharaoh Tutankhamun, a.k.a. King Tut. So, he was the last of his royal family to rule during the end of the 18th, I uh, almost said century, the 18th dynasty. 
which is like way before Christ or BC, whatever. He took the throne and his wife, just guess how old he was. Don't 16. No. 14. Eight. Nine. Nine years old. He took the throne and took his first wife and he died by the age of 18. And so his body was laid to rest in what they call the Valley of the Kings. <laughs> I'm just processing how little I've done at the age of 23. Right? He's like a whole ass king and married by the age of nine. Can you even... I, I can I go there with this? Can you even get it up at nine? Like, how do you have a whole ass wife when you don't even have a whole ass penis? I don't understand. Disgusting. I just like, I don't understand like, okay, did he, did he was, did he was like, <laughs> was he like, fuck you all, this is my throne or did he inherit the throne? No, his, yeah, he inherited it because his okay. dad passed away. So, okay, I thought he was just like, I'm about to run this fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> Bow down, bitches. <laughs> like, but yeah. So, and I think that that's how the throne was always passed, was that the current pharaoh died. So his body was laid to rest in what they call the Valley of the Kings, which is the, like, most well-known resting place of Egyptian pharaohs and just, like, Egyptian royalty. Wait, what is it called? Um, the Valley of the Kings. I don't know where at in Egypt that it is. I, I read it and I didn't write it down because these names I just can't deal but yeah, um, so it was just like literally just like sand dunes and like nothingness. And this, uh, what are they called? Archaeologists? Is that mm-hmm. what it is? Yeah. Okay, so this archaeologist, Howard Carter, he was out, like he would go on monthly or like whatever, you know, just like seasonal trips out to Egypt and like try to dig for things. But he thought that everything is already like gone and taken by thieves and stuff over the past like thousands of years. Well, then he finally found King Tut's tomb. Like, literally, he had an errand boy, like, bringing him water or something, and he tripped over a stone, and it, like, shifted a little bit, and he saw something, so he told him to come look at it, and it was, like, a whole ass staircase into, like, a tomb of pharaohs. Of course, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what the story says. Oh, was it underground? I'm confused. Yes, yeah. Well, I think, I don't think originally that it was. I think it's, like, the sand over years of, like, yeah, sand and, like, erosion and stuff that, like, got covered up. So, in 1922, the archaeologist that I mentioned, Howard Carter, and his team and his financial backer, actually this is important because he's the first person to get the cut. Lord, I don't know how to say this, and it sounds like carnivore, but it's Carnarvon. Carnarvon. <laughs> Carnarvon. <laughs> literally, Carnarvon. Yeah. So, Lord Carnarvon, that sounds a little better, was his, like, financial aid. So, this is where I was going earlier, and I just... So he was, like, giving him a whole bunch of money to go out on these, like, exhibitions or whatnot, whatever they're called. And that was called expeditions. Who fucking knows? (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so he was giving him all this money, and he was not finding shit, and he was like, you know, I can't keep affording this for you to not bring anything back. And he was like, just give me one more trip, and I promise I'll bring something back that's worth it. And he found King Tut. He wasn't lying, but he brought a whole lot more than some artifacts. And that's facts. (laughs) Here, you poo. (laughs) So he <laughs> uncovered the tomb in 1922. So when he found the staircase, he didn't go down there and look around yet. He was like so excited to tell Lord Carnivore that he found it. So he sent immediately for him and he came straight out there and they went down there together. For some reason, he brought his daughter, Lord Carnivon brought his daughter. So oh. she was probably like, oh, they found some shit. Let me come, daddy. <laughs> they came upon a mud sealed door, which I assume that's 
the only thing they had to use to seal doors back then was some water and some lead. It was really easy to break into. They broke through it. Actually, he poked a hole. I don't know why it's so descriptive, but it must be important if every article said it. He poked a hole through the door and shined the light. And, like, he was, like, peeking through the hole, which I would not have done personally because I don't want my eyeball to be scooped out. But, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he looked through there and Carnivon was, like, super excited. And he was like, what do you see, like, all over his shoulder? And he was like, nothing, because I guess the dust was settling. And he was like, wait, it's beautiful. And that's, like, the, apparently there's a movie and that's, like, that line's in there. Probably not. I didn't say it word <laughs> for word, but you get the point. Anyway, page flip. Wait. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So, yeah. So, the date was November 26, 1922, that they actually opened King Tut's tomb. I wrote his tomb number on there, and I don't know their system for numbering the tombs, because I'm pretty sure that the mummies, the mummies, the Egyptians didn't number them. I'm sure it's, like, a system that the archaeologists used or whatever, but it's KV-62, if anybody wants to know. So, yeah, on November 26, 1922, they opened King Tut's tomb and released the Pharaoh's curse. Love it. So on the day of the fine, Lord Carnarvon was bitten by a mosquito in the tomb on his left cheek. Oh, he's really gonna hate it. So the mosquito bit him on his left cheek, which caused a blood infection and he died from it six weeks later. Coincidence? I don't think so. During the autopsy of King Tut that they later on did, they found scar tissue in the same exact spot on King Tut's left cheek. He died six weeks later, which is not that long afterwards, of that blood infection. So that's that. Lord Carvanon's gone. So on the same day, it's also reported that Carter, which is the archaeologist that found it, sent one of his members on an errand to his home, which he had a home in Egypt, I guess, since he was staying there, like, part of the year. So he sent one of his members to his home on an errand. He said upon approaching the home, he claimed he heard faint human-like cries. He was like, what the fuck? So upon entering the home, he found Carter's canary bird being attacked and eaten by a cobra, which is the symbol of an Egyptian monarchy. And that was, like, the day that they were down there, like, uncovering stuff. Coincidence? I think not. (laughs) I'm going to say that after every death. And there's like 12. (laughs) All right. So obviously uncovering this, like, it brought a lot of like wealthy people there trying to like go in and look and like tour it and stuff. So this railroad tycoon, copy and paste, come at me. Um, His name is George Gould. He paid like a shit ton of coinage to go on this tour. He was personally escorted by Carter himself, and that night he came down with a fever and he died the next morning. Yep. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> so yeah, he then, after all this happened, Carter was like, fuck this shit, I ain't doing it no more. After all that shit happened, he was like, nope, ain't having it. He barred up the site, like, put a gate, locked it, and left. And... Egypt was like, oh, fuck no, like, you didn't have our permission to do that, like, this is not American property or whatever, who, whatever nationality he was, they were like, this is property of Egypt, you know, you can't do that, so they kicked him out, and a year later, they suspended, I guess suspended him for, like, a year from coming there, and then they allowed him to come back, don't know why, because if you're gonna kick him out, why would you let him back, anyway. When he comes back to Egypt in hopes of ending the curse, he arranged for Tut's body to be placed back from where he took it, but that did not end the curse. 
because there's like 10 more people to go through y'all. The curse actually really quickly continued to claim more lives. Um, and one of them being Lady Carnarvon, which is obviously Lord Carnarvon's wife, who died suddenly of an insect bite, just like him. Sorry. Isn't yeah. it crazy, though, that a tiny little insect that's, like, so fucking small can kill you? But yeah, so another who died after her was Richard Bethel, which was Carter's secretary, and he died in his sleep with no explanation. Some of the stories that I read said that he was suffocated in his sleep. Nobody was convicted of doing that to him or whatever. It was mysterious as hell. Coincidence? I think not. Now, this one's kind of iffy because, like, three months later, his father... I forget what his name was, but his father committed suicide from jumping from the window. And I don't really think that could be, like, just him being depressed because the son just died or whatnot. Not necessarily related to the curse, but he did leave a note, like a suicide note, blaming his son's death on the curse. And his home was also filled with a bunch of artifacts that were given to him as gifts from his son. Which was the dude who died mysteriously in his sleep. Because he was, like, the personal secretary for Howard. Um, He was his personal secretary so I'm assuming he would let him take some stuff out of there. It's also reported that Carter gifted one of his close friends, Sir Bruce Ingram, a paperweight made of a mummified hand, which is already creepy as hell. Ew. Yeah, right? And it had a scarab bracelet on it, which is like a, or a scarab, however you pronounce it, um, which is like an Egyptian beetle. It said, Cursed be he who moves my body, to him shall come fire, water, and pestilence. I don't know what the hell pestilence is, and he never got it anyway, so he got fire and water, though. (laughs) So soon after he was gifted that, his home burnt down, and after rebuilding, it was destroyed literally, like, right after by a flood. And then so he took the hand, and he was like, fuck that shit, I don't want it, got rid of it, so I guess that's why he didn't get the pestilence, which I think that's, like, disease or something. Who wants a fucking hand as a paperweight? Exactly. I'm like, what the fuck? Like... Take my spell hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was just thinking. But yeah, so among all these deaths were also one pretty significant death that actually is not talked about a lot and is kind of surprising was a prince of Egypt. His name is Prince Ali Kamel Fami Bey. I feel like I'm saying, uh, what is it? It sounds so unnatural. So he died in 1923. Shortly after visiting the tomb, he was shot and killed by his wife for no, for no damn reason. Coincidence? I think not. So Sir Archibald Douglas Reed, who was the radiologist who x-rayed King Tut's body, died in 1924 of a mysterious illness. So all these deaths are within like, within a year period from the tomb opening. So yeah, they opened the tomb in like November of 1922, and then all these deaths happened in between then and like 1924. So it was like a really short period of time, and all these people just dropping left and right, and every single one of them entered the tomb. So, it's looking pretty real to me. The curse seemed dormant for a while, because I guess they stopped really, like, excavating or whatever it's called, that word. They stopped doing that for a little while. But then in 1924, A.C. Mace, which was a member of his archaeological team, the original person that found it, he took over the excavations until 1928, so for, like, three and a half, four years. During that time, the longer he stayed in the site, the weaker that he felt, but he still continued to excavate it, and he eventually died in 1928. He collapsed in the, I don't know if he was like actually in the tomb or if he was just like on site, but he eventually collapsed and died. 
while he was excavating. So years later, in the 1970s, Egypt finally released like all of his remains and treasures and stuff to an Egyptian museum in Cairo. So that's where everything is now. Um, there are many places that hold some of his artifacts like today, like in, from 1970s to today, you know, they've kind of released a few things here and there, like sent them to different locations and stuff. So I guess it's pretty much public stuff now, I would assume that you can just go look at it in a museum or whatnot if that's something you're interested in. But yeah, so some believers of the curse actually say that some of our, like, tra modern tragedies and, like, bad happenings of today can actually still be traced back to that curse. I, I mean, I'm not totally opposed to it, but it didn't name, like, specific things that they think are, like, specific reasons why they think it's from the curse. They just think that it put, like released a lot of negative like bad energy into the world which I mean could be true at least 15 more people that died that I could have written in here but it, that was just too much yeah it's too definitely too interesting and I think that it's like like we were saying earlier it could all be coincidental or I mean because it's just it's just kind of shady how everything like everyone who died in that short period of time led back to the tomb yeah I think it's definitely interesting because, like, with my story, it's kind of the same way how it, like, it all connected. Transition on yeah. to my story. The Curse of the Iceman. Have you guys heard of it? Yes. Okay. So, on September 19th, 1991, two German tourists, Helmut. <laughs> I want to name my kid Helmut. <laughs> so, these two German tourists, Helmut and Erica Simon, were hiking somewhere in the Alps. On the Austrian-Italian border. Oh, you know what I learned? It's Appalachian. Not Appalachian. I've always said Appalachian. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just I've like never coming with straight fire facts and we're just like, yeah. I thought, I've, I've never heard anybody call it Appalachian. Yeah. I've always heard Appalachian. A lot of I've people never, do say it that way. I've never heard people say Appalachian. Really? Yeah. A lot, I feel like a lot of people say it that way. I've never... I've always said Appalachian. I don't know why. I always said Appalachian, and I, that's the only way I've ever heard it. Because there was that little I in there, so it makes you think that it would be Asian. These two people, they decided to hike in an unmarked path across a glacier, and then from there, they found a body of a man frozen in the ice. The body that was frozen up in ice from, like, the torso up. So the next day... The police came, but because of the bad weather, the snow and the ice, the body wasn't able to be removed properly, and so the extraction was postponed. Two days later, the body was officially removed and then taken to the University of Innsbruck. From there, they found that the body was a well-preserved mummy of a man that lived around 3300 BCE. They found that he died at the age of 45. And they named the body Otzi, Otzi, I don't know, the, it's O-T-Z-I, but the O has the little two dots on. Yeah, the little yeah. symbol thing. The little accent on top of it. Oh, she says accent, I say symbol thing. <laughs> Apparently he is Europe's oldest known natural human mummy. What's a natural mummy? Like, naturally mummified? Yeah. By yeah, ice? By, by the ice. Like, weather. Yeah, the climate. I guess like there's a lot of speculation about this mummy being cursed and stuff. It's similar to like King Tut. So allegedly, the mummy has been the cause of seven deaths. The 
that has been associated since its discovery. The first death linked to the curse was a forensic pathologist. <laughs> Am I saying that right? <laughs> pathologist. Did you not hear that? Mm-hmm. He said pathologist. <laughs> 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 I have a really hard time with ophthalmologist. 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 Sometimes you just have to drop out those letters and you don't know how to say it. Ophthalmologist. Cute. Cute. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this doctor, scientist, named Rainier Hin Hein, he was one of the earliest scientists that encountered the mummy, and he was the first person to handle the body, actually, and he died. (laughs) But, rewind. (laughs) Sorry. He was one of the first person to handle the body, which he pried it off from the ice. So after he did that, a couple months later, he died in a car crash on his way to give a lecture to some of his students about the findings of the mummy. This death was followed by the mountain guide who led Hein to the body in the first place. The mountain guide also died. So did he know the body was there? And he's like... Oh, let me show you this fucking mummy over here. Yeah. Basically. Okay. His name was Kurt Fritz. He was 52 and he was killed in a freak avalanche. Weirdly enough that he was with a group of people at the time and he was the only one to be hit by the ice and snow. The one that died by the avalanche? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's like four major ones. This is like the third one. An American filmmaker... He filmed the removal of the mummy. He suddenly died of a brain tumor. And then, at this time, there were already, like, rumors of the mummy having a curse. I mean, like, people were just saying that, like, uncovering it would, like, disturb the dead and bring whoever would, like, interact with it. Yeah, it's basically, like, moving around, like, even though they've been there for hundreds of years, that's basically, like, moving around dead people out here like going through tombs and stuff that's like grave robbing basically don't matter if they died four thousand years ago you're still disturbing their resting place rude (laughs) sorry (laughs) and that's on period (laughs) and that's on grave robbing period period (laughs) but the rumors were also saying that disturbing it would awaken some mysterious evil force bent on revenge the next person that died from it was the actual hikers that found the body in the first place. And Helmut Simon, he went missing while going on another hike. And his body was found crumpled in a small stream, having fallen from 300 feet from a ledge during a sudden blizzard that swept through the area. And so another person died named Conrad Spinner. This was also, like, one of the first scientists that examined the mummy. Basically, this guy died again. The final person that died that was linked to the mummy, his name was Tom Loy, and he was one of the main person that uncovered some of the important information about the mummy. He discovered four different types of blood on Oxy's clothing and weapons. He was one of the main people that set out a theory that this mummy had died in a violent confrontation. He also died. (laughs) (laughs) He got diagnosed with a rare heredity, hereditary blood condition after finding all of those things about the mummy. 
Ooh, and it was like related to blood because he found all that blood on his stuff. Yeah, right. that's the story. <laughs> that's the tea. So I guess we should wrap this shit, huh? Yep, that's a wrap. See what you did there. Bye. Bye. Did um, you do that on purpose? It's a wrap. No, I didn't even know. <laughs> like catching it before I even caught it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> let's just end it on a good note. Whoop. Okay. So, also, last episode, we didn't mention that now we're on iTunes, did we? I don't think so. I haven't even listened to the ending of last episode yet, because it's just, I have a shit ton of stuff going on right now. Um, I will be finishing it soon, posting it soon, but by the time that's posted, this will all be irrelevant. (laughs) So, anyways, my point being, if you're listening to us on iCloud, subscribe. And you know what? iCloud. Us. Huh? iCloud. <laughs> I was like, wait, you literally what? Like wait, Apple person. Podcast. Huh? <laughs> I am. How how am I technically our technician, I guess? I don't fucking know, because I'm basically an old lady. But for real, though, Sorry. go subscribe. Please. Us. Leave some reviews. Like us on Facebook. Run. Like us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. Whatever the fuck you do, just do it. Please, if you guys have any, like, suggestions or, like, anything that you want us to talk about. If or, you like, if come you have on. stories. Yeah, if you want to come on and tell your shit, we will listen. If you don't want to come on and tell your shit, but you want to talk about your shit in an email or text or direct message, I will do that for Cover you. Cover all the bases. <laughs> you will write a bomb-ass story and I will butcher it, especially for you. <laughs> and I will love every second of it. It'll be fun. And, yeah. Um, but anyways, we, again, my romantic little spiel, we love doing this. And we can't wait to get this shit really going once I get my shit together. And I'm looking forward to it. And tune back in again. Hopefully next week we're doing this weekly and not bi-weekly, but we'll see how it goes. Alright. <laughs> and we're Bye. out. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Period. Poop. Poop. <laughs>